Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Interlink, an initiative under the Center for New Economic Studies at OP General Global University. Interlink aims to hold nuanced conversations on the interdisciplinary nature of the problems plaguing the world today. As we hold conversations on the socio-political climate, we want to break down these intellectual barriers and look at topics in a way that will allow us to question them from several facets. If you're listening for the first time, please do have a look at our previous work as well. In the podcast series, The Unraveling of the Conflict, we aim to look at conflict through different lenses. As a part of this series, in this session, we will focus on topics related to refugee movement and immigration in times of conflict. In today's session, our guest is Mr. Bhipin Gimre, a doctoral candidate at the Department of International Relations at the South Asian University. He has tenured in the UN High Commissioner for Refugees as a Senior Protection Assistant, Community Services Associate, as well as an Associate Child Protection Officer, with a focal point of capacity building. We welcome you, sir, and thank you so much for joining us today. Our first question to you is, can you provide a brief overview of the current state of refugee movement and immigration in the current times of conflict, given the pretext of the war in Ukraine as well as Gaza? And what are the key factors shaping this complex and critical humanitarian issue at hand? Thank you. Thank you for inviting me in this podcast. And it's my pleasure to be here and talking to you today. Regarding the the refugee movement at the moment, it is unfortunately a very sad picture because uh, today we have uh, something around 110 million forcibly displaced people from all across the world. Uh, Either it is the internally displaced within the country or it is a refugee or asylum seekers. Uh, it is it is unfortunately a, a very unfortunate or let's say very sad reality. But you know, conflict is is a very natural process. I mean, it has always been and it is always remaining. I think so. This kind of conflict generates uh, refugees and it, it forces many civilians and uh, childrens and then and then elderly uh, from their homes and this. This conflict is not just just an international conflict, but like this, like there could be civil wars, intra-state conflicts, there could be disasters, climate disasters, and other things. So people are unfortunately traveling out of their homes, out of their community, because they fear uh, not only the prosecutions, they also fear the direct threat from this conflict and all. When it comes to the Ukraine and Gaza conflict, it is like both of these conflicts are very uh, international level in a very broad and very long. When you talk about the uh, conflict in Gaza, which is a very boring topic at the moment also, it has created like something around 5.9 or 6 million of refugees. It is uh, unfortunately a very long war it started in the 1940s, continued to continue even today. And nowadays it, it has become much, much worse. So the displacement level is very high, very sustained, and very long. And many, many more than something around 2 million refugees are only in these three countries, like Jordan, and Lebanon, and Syria. So this is the scenario of the, in the Palestinian conflict at the moment, whereas the conflict in Ukraine also a very, let's say, internationally let's say international lot of international actors are engaged so sort of a proxy conflict sort of a, like a 
uh, a civil war and as well as sort of a, a mixtures of so many international actors resulting to the more than 6.3 million of refugees displaced from their community and homes in Ukraine. And, and Europe, if you see like something around 5 million refugees are only in Europe and there are more than 400,000 plus refugees are uh, outside of Ukraine, uh, sorry, outside of Ukraine, outside of Europe. So if you see the, I mean, the scenario of this conflict, it is not a very optimistic picture, as I say. Uh, mm, yeah, but regarding the factors and the, as you talk about the factors, there are so many factors for the uh, for, for 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 any state or any country that generates refugees. Because the first and the primary factor, obviously, is the conflict and the violence uh, that could be interstate violence as well as the inter-state violence. There could be civil wars, uh, people fleeing the dictatorship, or people fleeing the different uh, famines and other climate crises. The prosecution and the fear of prosecution is is another. Another important factor that we should not forget, uh, if we take an example very close to the home uh, from Afghanistan, uh, after the Taliban coming to the power in 2021, uh, a lot of ethnic Hazaras as well as a lot of other uh, minority groups as well as the uh, different uh, section of the society, for example, women and children have fear persecutions and they have to run out of the homes and uh, remains as a uh, internally displaced. So, so many factors play around. There are environmental factors like a flood and disasters, as well as the in, uh, rise of uh, um, extremism in different countries also led many uh, civilians to flee from their homes. In this kind of uh, scenario, uh, the role of media is also very important because media also so the different pictures like uh, and also it also encourages or discourage people to migrate or not to migrate for example in the case of like economic migrants you can see a lot of migrants from the global south to the global north at the moment because they think uh, global north is a place for them uh, for the better life and all so a scenario is migrants at the moment does not directly connotate with the refugee itself but it is a very close to the refugee scenario because they also have to leave the home and all. So, so overall, the picture looks a little gloomy at the moment. Yes, thank you. Uh, you've talked about how there are uh, refugees who always migrate to the neighboring countries, whether there is due to climate change or we've talked talked about war. For example, you were talking about how in Ukraine they shifted to Europe and how uh, after Gaza there are immigrants and refugees who are going to Jordan, Lebanon and Syria. So according to this similar dimension that we are talking about here, I just wanted to know that with the rising migration numbers that are present in the neighboring countries of the conflict zones generally, they often deal with such massive influx and are often subjected to hosting the refugees, which often takes a toll on their socio-economic and political fabric as well. In one of your papers, you had um, talked about, uh, the paper was mentioned named a successful refugee settlement program, the case of Nepal, and you had extensively talked about the resettlement approach for the refugees. So uh, we wanted to know and understand how effective is the resettlement program, in your opinion, in actually mitigating the said international burden that there is 
about handling and hosting refugees and how do host countries navigate the complexities of integrating uh, the said refugees into their own societies? Yeah, resettlement is a, is a very interesting thing, actually, and very complicated as well, because <clears throat> once the refugee are, once refugee left their home and then settle in different other country or trying to be settled or, let's say, become an asylum seeker, after a certain period of time, they, they would be given at least, like, there is three basic, or let's say, three options for them. Either they have to come back to their home or they have to settle in the place where they uh, they just uh, cross the border, they settle in the place where they just migrate, or if that does not work out, they have to be resettled to some other country. So resettlement is one of the part of a durable solutions that that many international organizations like even HCR and other things are working on. So the primary and the first one important would be the voluntary repatriation where the refugees are expected to come back to their home country and live their life. If that doesn't work out, uh, either their home country is in serious civil war and if there is a serious threat, a direct threat to them, as well as the fear of prosecution, uh, in that scenario, refugees are mostly uh, expected or maybe uh, uh, requested to, to remain as a, to integrate locally in the host country. But if the host country also does not allow refugee to remain in the in their particular country because of the many political as well as the economic factors, uh, the resettlement comes as a third option. It's a durable solution because once the refugee resettled to third country, so it is very less chances these refugees might come back to the their original country or their uh, where they come from. So it is it is a tool to provide international protection. Yes, it is also a responsibility sharing mechanism because. Uh, Refugee per se is not just a responsibility of a neighboring country. Even though that has been the case uh, at the moment in many conflicts, like for example, uh, many Afghani refugees are like migrating in Iran and Pakistan. Same case with uh, Rohingya refugees migrating mostly in Bangladesh and some of them are in India. So most of the time it's a neighboring country who are handling the, uh, the burden. So this Resettlement option that is given to the refugee is one of the uh, option, let's say, durable solution that is given uh, that helps uh, sharing the international borders. But once, should not forget the fact that it is very much politically ingrained and very much politically sensitive issue. Because you see, some of the countries, especially if you talk about the United States, because of their depleting population and low birth rate, United States bring a lot of refugees from different parts of the world, from Africa, from Asia, from other parts of the country to, to, to help uh, balance their population. So in this sense, it looks like a very positive light. But uh, also, parallelly, what we can see, the discriminatory treatment and the xenophobic treatment between the different refugees from the different contexts. Uh, if we can just see the uh, refugees from the Ukraine, how the Europe uh, is welcoming the refugee from Ukraine, whereas the refugee from the other countries in the global south, from Afghanistan, from Syria, from, from Sudan, and from other African countries, we can see a very clear uh, sort of a discrimination, sort of a racism, uh, 
and and sort of a uh, xenophobic hypocritic treatment among the refugees and between the refugees so which is very sad by the way the recent example that we see is the united kingdom's plans to deport refugees to rwanda the same country which is who considered itself as a uh, as a founder or maybe the mother of a democracy or a founder or the maybe what do you say that like um, the 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 country that protects the international uh, human rights law international humanitarian law is a country uh, playing a very dual let's say double standards and maybe trying to deport countries in other countries so so what i mean to say is that refugee has been resettlement has been and is always remained as a as a one of a tool for the politics also so in europe if we talk about another phenomena that is very important to discuss is the rise of extremism and the right wing nationalism in this in many countries in the europe in the mainland europe which is a very threat to the refugee resettlement program so in this sort of a scenario uh, we expect or maybe the state has to think refugee not just a human mass fleeing the conflict and all but this they these are the people who have skills who are educated and they can even contribute to the host community and the host country sometimes they are the source of cheap labor that can contribute to the private sector as well as their uh, economy in in the in the in the host country so one has to look from the i think from the moralistic principle to support the needy the most vulnerable section of the society i think the old has to be should be much more welcoming than it is at the present yes, precisely and uh, you've been talking about the discriminatory treatment that has been happening and you're talking about the vulnerable groups so uh, when we read and when one reads international law framework and studies that we observe that there are indeed great intersectionality gaps within that so during your tenure at the unhcr hcr uh, working as a community service associate you particularly worked for the protection of the elderly persons with disabilities women persons with specific needs unaccompanied children and other vulnerable groups per se so could you elaborate on the role that these different intersectional identities and this differential treatment that we we've, we've been talking about plays on these various different refugees and how do these dynamics influence their reception and support in situations of displacement yeah absolutely because refugees have a different identities they come from different uh, economic status they come from different background they have different uh, socio political baggage with them and because they refugee because they have to flee the conflict and flee the scenario in a very sudden way or some some case or sometime in a very massive in the mass scale so it is so it is very important to identify different people different uh let's age group or different people with a different identity needs different needs for example there could be a women there could be a uh people who is a victim or who is a survivor of a gender based violence there could there could be children elderly unaccompanied minors and everything because the process of being a refugee itself is a very troubling and very very, very, very treacherous job right because they have to flee their home sometimes 
some sometimes they have to face a psychological trauma because of the death or maybe difficulties for their immediate family members and all those things so this is very important uh, aspect that one has to identify any international organizations or any state that has to identify different people within the refugee context one cannot generalize that okay people are fleeing the country so all are refugee we, we have a same treatment for all of them this is a very general and this does not work out so one principle that these any international organizations or a state that is welcoming refugees should not forget is the principle of do no harm they are already in the harm way they are already facing so many difficulties to reach to their to this particular place so the international organization should not do any further harm to these refugees physically mentally as well as in in the protection mechanism because you know we see refugee from the different uh, different methods refugee come from different ways and different methods for example there could be a civil war in a country and a lot of mass people even the entire community is fleeing from the country those could be a prime facie refugee in this scenario it is we understand it's a little little bit difficult to identify and give a different uh, targeted response to this kind of refugee because so many people are fleeing at the same time but but there are also other scenario where the refugees apply for the for the for the protection for the international protection because they because they fear persecution and threat in the particular country but in any case it is very important for the united nations who is responsible for the refugee protection united nation human rights human uh, unhcr has to try and implement and also has to enable the different non state actors to follow the do no harm approach as well as the to follow the uh, intersectionality approach to give a protection to the refugee as well as uh, for all other aspect you know, including the resettlement as well as the repatriation back to their country so it is a very important thing um, even though it, it looks a, a little bit difficult and complicated because uh, one has to give consideration to the age one has to give consideration to the gender one has to give consideration to the diversity and one also has to give consideration to the different psychological as well as the as the physical stresses and everything but this is a right way and this has to be uh, implemented by the international organization or any individuals or uh, faith based organizations working uh, in the refugee context Yes. Uh, so we've been talking about the role of international organizations and governments precisely. Uh, I think I just wanted to understand more about the role of non-state actors. You just mentioned how important they are as well. So non-state actors, including uh, in the first question, you talked about the role of media. And currently, if we focus also upon NGOs, different uh, domestic and national level NGOs. How crucial do you think is the role of these non-state actors in providing support to refugees during such conflicts? And what kind of collaboration and precisely coordination do you think between governments and NGOs or other non-state actors is important in managing such refugee crisis and situations? 
if we see the role of refugee protection, the primary and the first and the very important role lies to the state. Yes, but state is not interested sometimes or is not capable sometimes to, 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 to follow all the standards and to do all the activities that is required for the smooth transition of the refugee from the migration to the to the international protects, protection status. So it is very important for the non-state actors uh, like uh, international non-governmental organizations, like uh, uh, faith with uh, different faith-based organizations, advocacy groups, community-based organizations to, 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 to support the state, uh, not only for the protection, but also the assessment of the conditions of refugee and also during their shelter, during the, um, let's say, legal support and other thing. It is important, uh, for example, in the front line, if you see in the front line, humanitarian assistance at the front line is crucial. And it is, in most cases, it is the non-state actors that has been doing it for the, for the providing of the shelter, for the pro provision of the food and health care. I think we know about uh, Doctors Without Borders. It is a voluntary organization uh, that is providing the free health care as well as the support in the front line, as well as during the during their physical camps and during the time of uh, sorry during the time of flight as well as the during the time when refugees are internationally protected in different countries. So different faith-based organizations like uh, temples, church, and other things also can provide help state for the shelter and the food and also healthcare as well as the uh, advocacy groups, private as well as the public advocacy groups, which not necessarily. Uh, belonging to the state can also help for the legal aid for the refugees. Whereas in, when, uh, when we see the grassroots activities, community-based organization is, is very important in this aspect because they can provide the psychological support, cultural orientation, because the refugee coming from the different country might have a different cultural uh, background and as well as the socioeconomic background. So community-based organizations can support the state, obviously, for this cultural orientation, as well as the uh, community integration, as well as the education of these refugees. It's very important in this regard. And another aspect, another important non-government organization that we should not forget um, is the role of media. Both nowadays, social media, as well as the mass media, especially the mass media, because uh, as I say earlier, refugee could be a source of politics as well as refugee issue could be politicized in the host country. So it is the media, uh, media's responsibility to raise awareness as well as the media's responsibility to counter the misinformation regarding the refugees. Because it plays a crucial role. If you see the example of Rwanda uh, during the 90s, uh, during the internal civil war, the radio and the, especially the radio and the media plays a very big role, sometimes instigating violence and sometimes uh, providing, uh, let's say, support and the mass awareness to the people to prevent violence. So, so how do we, we use this kind of international and the national non-state actors is crucial. So what I see is 
state is important but non state actors also plays a very crucial and the very much rooted and the groundwork for the international refugee protection definitely so and uh, we have one last concluding question for you now we wanted to understand considering the present global circumstances what trends do you anticipate in the future regarding refugee movements and immigration during times of conflict are there any innovative approaches or solutions that could effectively address the challenges faced by refugees in the upcoming years and for those who are eager to make a positive impact uh, what actions or initiatives would you suggest to contribute towards elevating the refugee crisis on an individual level, level and supporting immigrants in conflict zones it is it is like a paradoxically i think unfortunately normal that the many conflicts are continuing in different part of the world like in the middle east in crisis at the moment ukraine is in crisis at the moment afghanistan the taliban in power and then different religious as well as the different uh, minority are, are under threat in afghanistan so and there is a lot of gang violence and the threat in the southern american countries and all this thing is very unfortunate but this is very normal because it has always remained uh the old has always faced this kind of ups and downs and and different political conflict resulting to the uh, let's say physical conflict as well as displacement which 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 uh, results so many displacement of internally as well as the external displacement of the people is very controversial it's very let's say unfortunate but it's very normal this is one aspect so i expect i mean like obviously this kind this kind of conflict continue to remain because and there are a lot of projections and a lot of uh, after the number of refugees going to get increase anyway by 2020 50 some of the organization project that the, the refugee population will be something around more than 1 billion in the world another important thing one should not forget is the the issue of climate change and the issue of climate induced refugees and displacement which is actually not mentioned or maybe not incorporated within the refugee convention of 1951 that is one of the limitation of the refugee convention so uh, the 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 future aspect is is also to think about whether we should we should expand the horizon of this refugee convention to include the climate refugees as well as to include uh, other 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 refugees coming from the economic disparity other refugees coming fleeing the dictatorship and other refugee flying or maybe leaving their country because of their economic uh, scenario so this is there is a limitation of international legal protections uh, let's say provisions also so this provision has to be broadened and expanded in order to protect the different new trend of refugees of from coming from climate change climate induced displacement as well as the coming from the different part of the uh, old conflict zones that these are the aspect thing another important thing what we should not forget that what i think is important is the is the rise is the rise of uh right wing politics rise of nationalism and the populist politics mostly in the uh in the host countries like uh, europe at the moment 
because Europe is taking so many refugees from different uh, different part of the world, global south, from the Africa, from the Asia, as well as Ukraine at the moment, as well as other countries also. The rise of the uh, right-wing extremist politics, what it does is that it further divides the population towards refugees. Because the conservative politics might lead to a new problem and it might uh, it might lead to the decreasing acceptance rate of the refugees. Generally, at the moment, uh, Europe, after the post-Brexit scenario and the, in America, especially during the time of uh, President Trump, this kind of pattern has already been seen. But I see in the future, this pattern might rise, which is still a very much let's say, not very welcoming thing for the refugees. So what initiatives are needed? As I just talked earlier about, one is the legal initiative that has to be uh, uh, broadened is the 1951's refugee treaty that has to be, the scope has to be expanded so that to cover to cover the climate-induced refugee as well as the other refugee from uh, fleeing the country because of the economic scenario. Another thing is, <clears throat> uh, we should think, or maybe the global north should think about the increasing the development assistance with the global south. You know, why refugee happens? Refugee flee the country, not just because there is a war. Nowadays, because the famine, because the economic disorder, because of the other uh, push factor in the global south, also a lot of people migrate or maybe try and try to migrate uh, to the global north, especially or many other countries in a very risky way, sometimes crossing the jungle, or sometimes taking a boat. We see a lot of, uh, I think a couple of years ago, even now at the moment, a lot of uh, Syrians as well as the Libyan uh, students as well as Afghanistani refugees uh, taking the small boats uh, sm through the smugglers and then heavily to the uh, smugglers and trying and take a very treacherous and very difficult journey to the other part of the country. So, so this legal aspect has to be brought in one. Second thing is also we need to think about how do we create, how do we use the private sector to create jobs and skill develop in different parts of the countries uh, so that the refugees and also to, to ensure the security uh, as well as the political rights of the people in different parts of the countries, because this is another reason uh, that that is forcing people to migrate to to or maybe to migrate from their country. So these these are the initiatives that is required. There is a legal initiative that is required by expanding the horizon, like say the scope of the uh, refugee convention, and there is an economic thing that is required uh, by creating jobs, skill development, as well as the development assistance to the global south. And also, uh, there is a political, uh, let's say, initiatives or political support is required to make sure the uh, countries in the global south and maybe the special conflict zones and those areas, uh, uh, those parties to the conflict ensure and the, and the follow the international human rights as well as the humanitarian law. So these are the important things. So what is important at the moment is the International coordination is very, very important in this regard, as well as the one has to uh, ensure the economic security as well as the political security of, of the people. And uh, there is a need to be serious about the upcoming threat, such as the climate change, 
and state as well as the uh, international uh, interstate organization like United Nations has to think about this and should should plan and try and coordinate with international organizations as well as the state to to further uh, further international coordination that might help i think in my view uh, for the let's say for the overall general protection of the refugees as well as the uh, betterment of the humankind thank you so much sir you very well have articulated the topic which was refugee movement and immigration in times of conflict this was very insightful and we're super glad that you were able to join us today thank you so much it's my pleasure